0: If you just read all of that and then skipped into the first chapter of Matthew, wow, virgin is giving birth? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? I mean, we had all those those elderly women and those barren women in the Old Testament who, who had miraculous births, but this is a miraculous birth with a capital M. All I could see was this light coming in the Holy Spirit went. It blew into me. I have never been the same since then. That was it. I'm done. I was born again.
1: Welcome to the Weird Christian Podcast. I am your host, Samuel Delgado, and this is episode 75. I interviewed George Eves about his book, In the Bosom of Abraham, which is a biblical theology that... The entire Bible is told through the promises made to Abraham. Those were land, many descendants, and to be a blessing to all nations. So hopefully, after listening to this episode, we can try to piece together the entire Bible Bible as one cohesive story. So, no further ado, let's get weird. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm so glad to have you on. I was really excited to come across your book. Um... So why don't we just start by giving us a little bit of background as far as uh, who you are and how this uh, this book uh, came up, came about?
0: Yeah, um, um, I've uh, I was uh, still am a, uh, an ordained minister in the uh, in the Anglican Church, but I've switched denominations recently from the the mainstream. It's the equivalent of the Episcopal Church up in Canada mm-hmm. where I live. That's in New Brunswick for your listeners, which is Eastern Canada, and um, um, and I've become a uh, a minister with the uh, Anglican uh, uh, network in Canada, which is part of the uh, the wider. It, it's a like we call it a continuing Anglican church mm-hmm. rather than a breakaway one because we we stayed where we were, and the rest of the church went somewhere else. So. Mm, yeah. uh, Anyway, um, uh, 40, 40 some years now, 42 years I was ordained, and partway through that, um, I think the, the, the book itself, uh, which uh, I don't know if your listeners are aware of that, uh, is called In the Bosom of Abraham, um, but it um, its origins are in a series of sermons at one of the churches I was at, and um, just kind of a survey uh, of the Bible. Hmm. Uh, And uh, then uh, I went to teach at a, uh, what would be the equivalent of a Bible college, I think, uh, for um, an organization called the Church Army in Canada, Uh, and a very small college. But there I taught the scriptures again. And found I didn't have a, uh, a textbook that was uh, what I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, and um, so I, uh, I did it myself, <laughs> put some notes together as I went. And then after uh, I retired from there, I was encouraged to, uh, to uh, put that into uh, book form. Mm. Uh, and uh, so that's that's the origins of it i guess my my passion was and continues to be to see the scriptures as a connected whole yeah and to see them as they proclaim themselves rather than to impose some other uh, scheme upon them so yeah that's that's my uh, core core mission if you will yeah. in, in writing the book so that happened it was published in 2015 and I had some uh, uh, as you know Stephen Dempster mm-hmm. uh, uh, who you had on your program um, was uh, very instrumental in encouraging me and because uh, uh, I'm not an academic I, I have a uh, let's see I guess you I, I have a basic degree in divinity um uh seminary degree plus a master's degree in theology on top of that. Yeah. But I do not have a PhD. Mm-hmm. And um so I, I don't consider myself an academic, but a teacher and someone who tries to translate some of what I see as the the fruits of academic work uh into uh language uh that uh, the person in the pew or can can grasp more easily. So cool. That was awesome. the intent of the book.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's cool that you said that because as I was reading through it, I actually teach a, a Bible history class to to high schoolers and I was thinking that this would be a great book for someone that really has no framework for the for the Bible at all. Because um, you basically walk through all the historical books and and you paint this framework over the entire story uh, so that the the reader Again, if they have never been through this process, perhaps they they're fami- very familiar with the Bible or not familiar at all. It gives them a better way of understanding that the Scriptures as a whole, understanding it as one complete story. And so I thought that um, you know it, it could function as as a textbook uh, for someone that's that's teaching through the Scriptures in that way, um, like a survey class, or uh, again someone that's just uh, trying to make sense of of the whole thing. Um, the Old Testament can be a bit daunting for someone, especially that's unfamiliar. So um, yeah, I think I think you definitely uh, hit the mark on that one. Um, cool, so you mentioned the title uh, is in, in the Bosom of Abraham. So can you explain that just the kind of overall
0: premise? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, one of the things about this area of, of working through the scriptures is, is uh, especially in the scholarly world, is a very high degree of skepticism about the um the connectedness of the Bible that mm. it is it's treated as if it were um, made up of a you know a billion different sort of tiny little pieces that somehow accidentally got put together mm-hmm. and uh, it has no cohesion yeah and um, that runs against the i th- I think the Christian instinct. And Jewish as well, as far as that is concerned, um, that 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 the, the scriptures are actually the, the word of God and come from a, in that sense, from a single source, although mediated through various uh, personalities and historical circumstances, etc. So the question becomes: Can that be demonstrated? Can a connectedness between the whole of Scripture be shown to exist. If it could be, if it could be, um, I think that would have great apologetic value, among, among other things. Yeah. But um, the uh, the goal would be uh, would be to to provide the reader with uh, an understanding of the Scripture as a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And um, it became my conviction, uh, and I can't even tell you where in the process that I described earlier in my teaching, that um, that the, um, the key lay in God's promises to Abraham, which mm-hmm. I break down, people break it down differently, but I, I, I think it's best seen as three promises in one, sort of. And yeah. That is promise of the land, promise of many descendants, and a problem, and a promise to, uh, and a problem <laughs> to be, mm-hmm. uh, be uh, uh, a blessing to all nations would come through Abraham. Yeah, and uh, that promise is repeated emphatically to yeah. Abraham and to yeah. his immediate children, his immediate mm-hmm. son, son and grandson. And um, it it occurred to me. Uh, yeah, I've, I, I've read, you know, and thought about that for some time, uh, more or less accidentally, but in the context of what I was doing with the scriptures, trying to put them together, I said, well, wait a minute, that's, that's, that's a central promise. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, but where, where is it? Where, uh, what happens to it? Where does it begin? Where does it end? Mm. Uh, where does it show itself? Uh, and and that was my quest and my hope to to accomplish. Uh, that was combined with some New Testament uh, 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 emphasis on on the um, on on the promises to Abraham. Uh, Song of Zechariah, I think, is one. Uh, th- th- what was happening with Christ was a fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. Hmm. And, and um, so I just kind of put those things together and decided, well, let's see. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 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 my first struggle was with, with the creation account mm. uh, because I was starting with Abraham, but the Bible starts with creation.
2: Sure, yeah.
0: Uh, naturally enough. And uh, how were those two connected? And uh, this was—it uh, was honestly a voyage of discovery. And continues to be mm-hmm. for
1: me. Yeah,
0: I'm a big fan of uh, Lewis and Clark, and I'm borrowing that term from—I <laughs> think it was Jefferson called it—a uh, voyage of discovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and uh, I realized after I'd asked the question that the answer was uh, that the creation itself itself. Was expressed and could be expressed in terms of the promise to Abraham. And in, in the uh, the most obvious example of that, of course, is, is many descendants with uh, mm-hmm. with um, you know Yahweh telling uh, 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 Adam to go and multiply and to fill the earth. You know yeah. that's a in the fruitfulness of creation and all that um, and uh, and that just opened my eyes, and I started to look for the others. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a blessing to all nations, and uh, to uh, and um, you know, and uh, so so I. Uh, it, it was like that. I, I mean, I was constantly running in, into stuff I, I did, that didn't fit uh, my my paradigm, and then yeah. as I dove in, it 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 opened up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and,
0: and, uh, I don't know if it did that for you. Have you read that part of the book? No, uh,
1: oh, yeah, I read the book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I immediately sort of gravitated to it because, like I said, as I'm teaching through um, the Old Testament with my students, I'm sort of thinking through the narrative as well, and you do constantly see the promises made to Abraham uh, being referenced all all throughout, um, even with Moses, with Joshua. Uh, with the judges um, and so yeah it, it's definitely something that, that that stood out to me and it definitely it also helps make sense when you see the blessing that Isaac gives to Jacob that was one thing that's always very puzzling um, but you see that what what's happening is these promises uh, that were given to Abraham they're they're being passed down through a like a family lineage and um, so anyway, it uh it's very interesting, but I, I do want to start at, at creation, um, because it, it is interesting that we we see the promises made to Abraham, yet uh that there's a lot of story that's been told up until that point. Um so you mentioned uh one that, that should probably stand out to most readers is that Adam was promised, or well, he was told to make, you know, many descendants. Um, to multiply, fill the earth. Um, where do we see the the parallels with the blessings to all nations and the land in creation?
0: Well, I, I think it's in in the um, in the Pauline concept of being in Adam.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That, that is, all of us were in Adam, and so the blessing that Adam had is ours. Mm-hmm. Okay, and. The universal dimensions of the creation are, are clearly stated. I mean, it's obviously not a story of, you know, creation of one little thing, but of the whole universe and yeah. Earth in particular. Uh, so it has universal dimensions to it built in. And my my argument is um, that these um, kind of coalesce or or um, reduce if you will to Abraham uh, mm. over time okay mm. that, that is re it's reaffirmed to Abraham the the um, creation mandates if you will um, uh, or the creation Thing <laughs> it's it's for all of us. I mean, it's it's for all of Adam's descendants. Uh, mm. It was made for them. The earth was theirs, mm. and uh, so to the extent that Adam had it, we all had it. Now that's maybe a little bit of a stretch, uh, but I don't think so. I think it. I think it's, it's it's really there, and and most commentators, um, you know, see the universal implications of, of what happened. In, with with Adam and and with Eve, it's pretty hard to ignore. But uh, yeah. I think that it's uh, it points to the ultimate blessing to all nations. Nations don't come into existence uh, there, uh, but the idea in all nations is all people. Uh, it's not just uh, uh, it's not just a nationalistic kind of uh, view, but it's uh, it's one that includes everyone it's universal so yeah. that's where i see the, the, uh, the basic connection there
1: yeah yeah once you make it it's, it's hard not to see it i mean for those that have been listening to my show uh, we've had gk bill on and we talked about the you know the the function of priest that adam would have had um and uh yeah, obviously they're there in they're already in a very fruitful land there are placed in the garden uh placed amongst eden um and it you know once you make that connection it, it's hard not to see the parallels with israel's fate being exiled out of the land and then adam um also being exiled as well uh so i think i think it's very it's very easy to see those three things um in creation
0: it, it, there's 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 a kind of i don't know what you call them I, I would call them resonances Between and you just mentioned it really in 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 the the uh, between the what happens with Abraham and what happens uh, with those promises I should say and what happens in creation and what happens later on Mm -hmm. Uh, mentioned the exile for example Um, uh, you know you got the exile from and other commentators have noticed this of course Uh, and that's where I stole it from I'm sure but. uh, the the idea that the the exile is parallel has a parallel in the expulsion from from uh from uh, the garden and um uh but i think i put that stuff together in a different kind of way so that um the reader can contemplate and and i think comprehend and appreciate that those connections as they occur it's kind of like a rolling resonance it, it moves down through the story mm-hmm. and and repeats itself and and that's one of the re, truly remarkable things about the bible it it you have all these different writers and and in uh, context but the the rhythm the rhythm the mm-hmm. fundamental rhythm remains the same it, yeah. it's it's absolutely astounding yeah to, to me it's just amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh one thing that you pointed out that I hadn't really thought about was the connection uh that the curses have to those promises that were, you know, after the the fall. Um can you can you go over how those curses were connected to you know the promises made to Abraham? Well,
0: the curses uh what do we have in the garden? Uh the um uh, the the expulsion you mm-hmm. have what God be, before they were expo- ex- expelled the, um, the the Lord um, uh, told I think there were three uh, three persons involved <laughs> Satan or mm-hmm. the serpent I should say and it, it's a little tricky I try by the way I try in the book to to follow the scriptures the scriptures um, don't call the serpent Satan. I don't call the serpent Satan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, uh, in the New Testament, and I think there's a few passages in the Old as well that make that connection, but uh, I, I try to stick with the text. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, um, uh, and, and that's part of my, uh, Part of my goal was to help the reader stay inside the text rather than leap ahead to a Christian explanation of everything. Sure. Okay. And that is to to see it as it unfolded. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, uh, this is just kind of an aside here, but but the, the idea is to and I put this on the cover because I thought I put it quite well. <laughs> Invite the, 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 uh, the whoever reads my book to 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 read the scriptures for the first time again. Mm. You mentioned earlier uh, about the uh, about the students you have uh, and and, and uh, uh, people who don't have any idea of what the scriptures are about. Um, uh, how would they read the Bible if they were just serious readers of it? Okay, yeah. I don't mean casual readers, but I mean if somebody wanted to understand it and just read it. What would they get from it? Okay, that's the kind of attitude I'm trying to instill. Because as Christians and as Jews and as anybody else, we we come to that to those scriptures with uh, built-in law, uh, life experience biases understandings. And so we start to read into the, those scriptures something of of that rather than what they're actually saying, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where I, uh, it's why I emphasize the idea of progressive revelation, mm-hmm. that uh, I liken it to, uh, I think I do this in the book itself, maybe, uh, maybe I shouldn't do this, but uh, god to de- dealing out a deck of cards to us <laughs> okay one at a time and we, yeah. we don't get the whole deck right at, at the beginning
2: mm-hmm.
0: or the whole hand and so uh, the the um my hope is that that in doing that that the the sense of story will be retrieved to some extent for us okay that the connectedness will uh will come out of the text rather than out of somebody else's Christian traditions, for example, uh, which I think is fundamentally correct in all a lot of stuff it does, but it, when we come with that, we we don't we don't own it in the same sense as if we discover it for ourselves in, in the text. So that's what I'm trying to help the reader do. Now coming back to the to the curses, so what were they? Uh, I think the uh, the first one was to the serpent, was it not? I believe so. Yes. Uh, that they would be uh, that he would, uh, uh, and and this is of course is the big salvation one is is embedded in here, because uh, the the. Um, the serpent is told that uh, 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 he will uh, uh, he'll forever be on his belly in the dust of the earth, uh, which implies something about his that he wasn't. <laughs> okay, so I don't know what that's all about, and that's another thing. Um, I try to be content with the Bible's willingness not to explain everything. Sure. Yeah. Okay. A yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people want to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I do too. Okay. I mean, it's a natural human thing. But uh, we'll see, but to ask ourselves those questions gets us far from their, the thrust of what the Scripture is trying to tell us, I think. In my right. Way. Yeah. Okay. It's just... So, so, um, um, and the woman, uh, was, was told, uh, that she would bear children, uh, in, in great pain. Uh, and she would, uh, and there's, there's a, to me, an inescapable sense here of, of some sort of problem developing between the man and the woman that wasn't there before. Uh, you will uh, forget the exact words of the, of, the, of the so-called curse on Eve, but uh, it, it was um, putting her, uh, her relationship with her husband, uh, uh, introducing a, a negative element into it. You'll, you'll yeah. serve your husband or... Uh, we'll rule over you subject to, to him something like that uh, and um and of course adam was um told that he would uh, have to work the earth from from then on yeah um uh but the big thing is that the the um was the promise that uh um eventually uh the the woman the the, the a, a what is the exact word it's, it's a it's escaping me right now but the 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 woman's descendant would uh, although the serpent would bruise his heel the uh, woman's descendant would would uh, crush the serpent yeah and so we have. Right there, I think is the I call it the dynamic of the story mm-hmm. okay that is a promise is given and the first reader the first time you read that I should say uh, I think if you're reading it with an open mind, you're you're reading it as I say in the book like one of those those, um, uh, story medieval stories you know uh, a child is born and and a, and a promise uh, uh, is made by this witch or something and and uh, the child will pull a sword from the stone or or something like that and then the story takes off and the kid grows up blah 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 and everybody's waiting well when's that going to happen okay so I think when is the descendant of the woman going to crush uh the serpent, even though bruised, mm-hmm. okay, there's going to be a con- there's a conflict going on, and of course, conflict equals story. And so, right from that moment on, we don't have just an idyllic scene with a uh, with a uh, you know with with nothing going on except you know the man going out and helping himself to the to the fruit of the earth and. And, and, you know, hearts and flowers and violins. Okay. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you've got dynamic. You've got a direction to the text. You've got uh, something's going to happen. When's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? Especially after the, the couple are thrown out of the garden, excluded from the garden. Uh, and you say, well, that's not right. Okay. So, so there's, all of a sudden there's there's direction to the story just in that one uh curse upon the serpent
1: yeah absolutely yeah so you see the blessing to all nations is going to come through some some descendant on down the line um which ends up becoming something that the reader can look to is is it is it noah is it abraham is it right. is it is it isaac it's going to be a is serpent crusher yeah is it is it moses is it joshua uh is it samuel is it david and so on throughout the story we see all these uh these different you know leaders uh you could say and the question is is this the one um and then we have the you know curse upon eve and childbearing so there's that direct uh connection to uh many descendants there and then the land um with with adam so we see all three of those uh, curses connected to those promises yeah, um, yeah they awesome.
0: pop up there okay but you wouldn't you don't recognize that I mean I never recognized I don't know how many times I read the bible mm-hmm. but I, I never made the connection between that and what happens with Abraham you see and so uh, but now I have and I yeah. hope others can 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 follow that and expand on it and go where it goes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's truly, you know, you mentioned there's a, uh, there's a motif of returning to the garden. So we see that, um, this is the means that God is using. Um, it's going to be through it. He's starting with Abraham and he's going to, going to write these, these wrongs, um, that, they kind of have their origins in the garden. Um, I, I, I mentioned it earlier about how I've always been puzzled with Jacob because you know he's clearly a bit of a scoundrel in in how he deceives his brother and his father to receive the birthright to receive the blessing um you know he has you know sort of a rocky relationship with with laban and um just on and on it goes So the question sort of looms like why is it that that he is renamed israel Uh, And he's like one of the founding fathers of the entire nation. It just seems sort of like, why is this, you know, sort of, uh, I don't know, questionable character uh, so central and so blessed? Hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah. Why? (laughs) At the end of the day. Uh, But that's, that's one of the things that, that, that uh, pushed me to, to consider throughout the study, I did the relationship between grace and obedience, hmm.
2: which
0: to me is a fascinating question. It's bound up with the question of uh, of uh, you know free um, choice and predestination and yeah. uh, and all those difficult difficult things. The Bible itself refuses to answer. Mm-hmm. Much to my frustration, but uh, it, it's not concerned, and it's not concerned about Jacob,
1: right? Yeah. You no, know?
0: yeah. mm-hmm. but you know, the, the reader, at least the modern, maybe it's a cultural thing. You know that, sure. that if you if you lived in that ancient culture, maybe he comes across as a hero. I, you know, uh, sure, yeah. I don't think so. Uh, judging by the Bible's own standards, he is a scoundrel. You know, he cheats his brother and, oh, he's just, uh, why would God use such a character? And why, (laughs) talk about a question, he wrestles with God Mm -hmm. and beats him. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's with that? You know, you only stand back. It's one of those moments like like, like when when Abraham is bargaining with God about Sodom, you know, Mm -hmm. you say, wait a minute. This is almost like God and human beings are on the same level. I mean, God's listening. He's Mm -hmm. He's not imposing. He's not what? And this is a strange mixture of and I think it I think we best just leave it like that. Right. Uh, uh, Of of God's sovereignty is is He's in charge of all this, but charge of something or part of that or we both are or i don't know but i think i think it's more intriguing and more uh interesting if we just just leave that alone and affirm both ends of the equation god's sovereign and we're free uh we're to obey god and yet he works out of his own <laughs> initiative in grace uh but to me, those are parts of the same question. Mm-hmm. Um, we're called to obedience. Christians are called to obedience. No question about it. But we're saved by grace. How do those things relate to each other? And so I follow that, try and explore that a little bit as the story moves along and just raise that. And I hope by the end of it, the reader has come to a, an appreciation of the, the, um, of the complexity of it and 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 not happy with a facile sort of one side or the other kind of thing when it comes to these questions
1: yeah yeah and i love that and and i think you you did a good job in your book of pointing out that although we're looking for that serpent crusher um and there's 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 definite hope in A character like noah we can very clearly see that this is a great candidate for that and then we see the failures that he has Uh, same thing with moses same thing with david they each are such so strong parallels to this future character that we're looking forward to um but they're flawed and so it it really puts god as the central character of this story and he is the one that's moving forward through humanity working through their flaws um and that is showing his grace all throughout and i've always been told okay this is an example of god's grace with, with, with jacob but what i didn't i never made the connection to say okay i never made the connection between what's happening with jacob and the promises that were made to abraham and these promises are going to come to pass it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's this guy or the next guy god's going to make sure that that it happens and he just so happens to be using flawed people um but you know one thing that you see with someone like david or someone like moses or or, or jacob even he you know he did wrestle but clearly he he saw the the, the value uh the, the value in, in in whatever that that role was um so it's yeah. not that any of these characters are perfect um but they're um, they're being used by God, so it's it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, I think
0: I think the uh one thing that continues to astound me and and uh, the way I put it in the book was uh that um that Abraham's obedience in in some way leads to grace. This this is the mystery of the thing mm-hmm. for especially for Isaac and doubly, triply for Jacob. Uh because it's the faithfulness of Abraham that the Bible points out, not those guys, yeah. uh, not the sons and the grandson. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's because of what Abraham did. And yet when you read the story yeah. of Abraham, yeah. it's a story of grace. Mm-hmm. And so we got grace and obedience in this kind of uh, dialogue uh, in which, at the end of the day, grace dominates, and and um, so uh, you know so the so the the uh, obedience of Abraham seems to translate to grace for his son and grandson and indeed for all of humanity in some mysterious way. Yeah, but, don't ask me how I don't know how yeah. that works. Well, one thing
1: that's really cool is that you know you mentioned this sort of bargaining that takes place between Abraham. Uh, in God, but it also takes place between Moses and God as well yes. when God's ready to destroy the nation, start over with Moses, and he hearkens back to the, the promises that have been made to, to yeah. their descendants. So that, that's yeah. the, that is the, the, the clear line that's running through the story, saying, well what about the promises you made to Abraham? So God is being faithful to his promises. Um, and you also point out in the book that something is really neat is that um, you know at that point in the story, we have we're coming upon the Israelite conquest, and he's he, part of Moses' argument is what are these nations going to think if you let if they see you leading us out into the wilderness just to destroy us? So how is that uh, that bargaining tool related to the blessings to all nations?
0: Yeah, I mean, eventually, and, and this is something I came to, you know. I don't halfway through the book, through writing the book, mm-hmm. uh, was that there's a relationship uh, between the promises uh, that suggests that it's the promise of blessing to all nations that is the key. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the goal mm-hmm. to which the others are are uh, attached yeah uh, and not the other way around mm-hmm. the Jewish people it seems to yeah. me and I, I haven't really come to a final conclusion on this but it, it seems to me that 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 they uh, in in Jesus day I'm talking here in the second temple Judaism had uh, and you see this in the Old Testament their focus was on the land yeah. Okay, and everything seemed to flow from that. Mm-hmm. But when your emphasis is on the blessing to all nations, other things happen. Okay, like you're, here you have Moses arguing to God, arguing with God or begging, bargaining with God about, uh, about the... Um, uh, his intention to destroy the nation, this Israel, in the context of the nations, what are they going to think? How are they going to react? Mm-hmm. And that's what gets God's attention.
1: Right. Because okay.
0: yeah. <laughs> that is what he is all about. It's It's the nations. It's the whole of humanity that God is interested in. Not just this one nation. Its its role as I, I, I and I, I never understood this. And, and and again, as I as I wrestled with this part, where uh, and I make a big deal of it in the book. The nation of Israel was to be a nation of priests, a priestly nation, as a nation. Well, who are they priests to? Priests are intermediaries between God and humanity, period. Mm-hmm. So if the whole nation is to be a priest, have a priestly function, a priestly calling, that calling only makes sense if it's between Yahweh and the peoples, the nations. Yeah, yeah, the other nations. They are to be that connecting link. Mm-hmm. Okay wow. yeah. which, which is which is what is often lost in, 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 in their vision and in ours. okay there's a whole yeah. other level to this and I'm working on this now in the second volume okay. <laughs> uh, because the church is to, to significant degrees Israel
2: mm-hmm.
0: okay yeah, in its role as priestly. we are a kingdom. A priest were called to be the same thing as Israel was in the New Testament. Uh, and this is the whole missionary thrust of the church. This is the whole great commission mm-hmm. that Jesus gave to the church was to the nations. And, and that's the really exciting connection of, of all this stuff is what, what, how this is kind of, uh, transformed or uh, that's not the right word. I don't have a right word for it. By Jesus, okay, that, yeah. that this whole thing is. So, where what was I talking about anyway? You asked me a question. Well, the,
1: well uh, Moses was bargaining with God for the nations. Russia, yes,
0: yeah. and and he, he does that in the context, as I say, of of well, Lord, how are you going to look to these to the nations? They're gonna yeah. they're not going to be very well disposed toward you. And, and, and I can now add to that. Well, maybe he would say, and they won't be blessed. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. They're going to ignore you. They're going to turn their back on you. And your whole purpose is to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. And now, you're, you know, what a way to argue with God as, a, as you know, it's <laughs> supposed to, 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 uh, to destroy his people. Of course, Moses turns down the opportunity to become a new nation. Yeah, okay, it's true. I mean, think of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a really remarkable guy. <laughs> yeah, but it's. Yeah. I I think if we uh, seeing the story from this perspective it just seems to open so many doors to me. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. That, and some of them are just flapping in the wind still. But I, you know, I mean, it's a uh, like like for for example, to me when I got when I was dealing with the prophets and mm-hmm. their expectations, and their descriptions of the, and I call them the serpent crusher, to stay in connected to that first promise. Uh, um, the coming one, if you will, to be more even more general that they speak of, comes with uh, such variety, you know, so, so many different nuances to this coming character. He's going to do this, he's going to be like that, he's going to He's, he's going to function over here. He's going to, he's, he's a warrior. He's a judge. He's a king. He's a priest. He's, 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 so, he's a son of man. He's, he's all these things. How could that be? You're, you're talking about one. Mm-hmm. And as a Christian, I'm, like, wait a minute. That's Jesus. I mean, there's a apologetic argument somewhere in there about how did this one man incorporate Legitimately incorporate to himself all of those different expectations, all of those, what seem to be multiple characteristics and contradictory, even characteristics of this coming one, the serpent crusher. Yeah. How could he be king and priest and, you know, it just, it's crazy. Yeah. And yet, to a Christian who knows the Lord, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah that's, yeah, that's, yeah that's who he is. How, how did that happen without Almighty God managing the whole shebang? you know it just it doesn't make sense that that these you know these these early Christians made this up somehow yeah uh, it, it just boggles imagination. it just contradicts all laws of of uh, probability it just mm-hmm. so it, i haven't got there yet but i, I will
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is a great apologetic when you start looking at uh, scripture this way i do want to um yeah, following up on what you were talking about with Moses because you talk about this in the book you know we fast forward and we see Rahab and and she's you know bargaining with these spies saying look i mean everyone's terrified the, the word's out right we heard about what you did to these kings um mm-hmm. and uh you know just all i ask of you is just spare my family you know we we know that we we cannot survive against your god and then we see the gibby knights do the same thing and sort of like a hail mary they're like we got to work out some sort of deal so they they use deception oddly oddly enough um, but we see both of you know Rahab and her family and the Gibeonites, um, they're I don't know drafted in I guess for for you mm-hmm. know, for, for lack of lack of better yeah. word. Um, yeah, I
0: found that's exactly right, and I found that as I as as I focused on that blessing to all nations, and I guess at first I was coming at the whole question with with the same senses is what I take the Jewish sense to be at the time of Christ that the the Gentiles were were simply disgusting uh, uh, and and you had nothing to do with them they were they were outside God's interest and and the more they were condemned and, and destroyed the better okay mm-hmm. that was kind of seems to be the, the general sense of, of how they understood the nation's at the time of Christ, or just before, and and when you look at that, and and and, and that's sort of stuck in your head, uh, you might miss the the Rahabs, you know, uh, and, and there are a number of them. Uh, who who um, who is it? Uh, uh, Ruth is is another. Tremendous example, someone you know who, at the end, turns to uh, it Naomi and says, I, I, "Your God will be my God." Mm-hmm. Okay, and and she's incorporated, in, and lo and behold, she's the the grandmother or great grandmother of David. Yeah, you know, and and you're going, wait a minute, I thought the Gentiles were outside. I thought they were the despicables. They, you know, and yet here's God (laughs) taking one of them, planting them, and a woman. Mm -hmm. Okay. You got your Rahabs and you got your. I mean, I mean, it's 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 an amazing story when you when you when you look at it from the perspective of where was God reaching out to the nations? Okay, in this story. Okay, if you don't ask that question, you you just read on. You know, that's not important. Let's move on. But mm-hmm. if these are actual signs, way, way signs, you know, signposts uh, to the greater story, it just livens it up and makes, wow, how mm-hmm. did that happen? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, oh, well, that's an interesting story. Let's, let's get to the next chapter.
1: <laughs> um, so that leads me to my next question, because there's the obvious, once they get into the land um they are clearing the land and part of that is destroying uh the the occupants uh of of the land so there's seem that seems to be completely contradictory um to the the promise that to be a blessing to all nations when they're they're going into the land and, and seemingly do doing the opposite i mean they're destroying um all the other nations so how is it that that uh the conquest it c- could be uh, connected to, to blessing to all nations. That promise,
0: yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I, I and it's true. I don't know. In, in, at the end of the day, uh, uh, but we can we can figure out some stuff, okay, from from the text and from the desire of God to bring the nations in. Um, that I guess I I would say I've never thought of it quite like you posed the question, but uh, these nations were not all the nations, okay? Mm -hmm. They were they were representatives, they were part of all the nations. Um, but it's like the dilemma that Christians have, I think, to some extent, to be separate from the world, but in the world, or as. It's put to be in the world, but not of the world. Okay. To, to, uh, and, and there was a real danger for Israel, which they succumbed to many times. They were not, at that stage, oddly, they were not, uh, determined to wipe out the nations as, as kind of, well, those nations are the, evilest sort of incarnation of human humanity we've ever seen, so we're going to wipe them out. No, they wanted to be like those nations. Mm. Okay? That was the issue, uh, as the text puts it. Uh, And the danger was that in so doing, they would succumb to the temptation of worshiping other gods. Right. Okay? That, that pops up again and again. It, it pops up in the, you know, when the Jews come back from, from exile and um, under Ezra and Nehemiah, and, and there, there, many of them are intermarried and they have this, what to us would be a terrible, horrible decree that they issue, that they, they, everybody get rid of their foreign wives and, and the children, I think, even may have been included in that. I don't remember precisely. Uh, but, uh, what's the issue there? The issue is, I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. You cannot serve God and another God. Mm-hmm. You have to make up your minds. And there's no compromise on that. And so the conquest in some way represents, uh, God's initiative against. Uh, uh, against Israel, <laughs> in, in a sense of preventing them. Uh, uh, it ultimately fails, and you get into all those questions, well, did God do something that didn't work out? Well, there's there's a number of blind alleys that really seem to go down in, in the Scripture, uh, or false starts, let's say, toward redemption that don't work out. They just don't, and and it's mostly our sin that gets in the way of that happening. So, so the, the, the conquest was not a holocaust in a sense of hatred against these people being expressed. Right. It was, I don't, I don't know. I, I hate to say it's a, it was because of the, where we were as human beings at the time that we, we could not coexist in that kind of way with such people. Whereas a Christian, perhaps, through the Spirit is able to. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, that's again that's just speculation on my part. But the it, it was necessary. It was not uh, racism or uh, anything like that, because the, the Jewish people, the, the the average Jew, apparently wanted to worship as these people worship they wanted to be like them mm-hmm. okay you see that come up again with the you know on the whole and here again is is god at work eh? the the rejection of god as king to samuel remember that and uh, and, the, and the lord says uh uh they're not rejecting the people wanted a king and yeah. so they come to samuel Right. And, and we want a king like all the other nations. Okay? And uh, and Samuel tears his hair out, goes before God, and and, and Yahweh says, uh, it's not you they've rejected, it's me.
2: Yeah.
0: But then you'd think the story would end there. Like, kick them out. Kick those people out. They're, they're no longer worthy. You yeah. know, they let's, they let's have pain. done with this. Yeah. They're yeah. nuts. Uh, yeah. They won't accept me as king. No, he gives them a king. He gives them a king, yeah. Gives them a king. And then he tells them a new David's going to come. Yeah. You know, I'm going to come as king. That's how we read it as Christians. They didn't read it that way, of course. Right, of course. But yeah. God was king all along, Yahweh was king. And, 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 uh, um, he was going to come. Uh, this is what lies behind the story that we read in, in the Old Testament. It was Yahweh who was coming all along. Okay. He was king all along. Mm-hmm. And the story plays around those, those mass, uh great themes that that uh it's it's yahweh at work mm. uh, rather than looking for some you know little little king or prophet to come along and help us out you know
1: yeah no exactly yeah and it, you can sort of see uh the story moving forward and it gains more focus and the anticipation is even larger as you continue on in, in into the new testament but um yeah, it's interesting. But then, but You have to
0: say, you see, you have to say, right at the crescendo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my, my book just takes the reader up to the exile, going into exile, not even the exile period. Uh, and it's at that moment that, that, that the prophets break out into these marvelous uh, expectations, even as the nation is being almost destroyed mm. for its unfaithfulness. Again, you're Moses, <laughs> you know, don't destroy these people, Lord. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, it's right at that moment when, when, when these great promises are made, and, uh, rich images of a coming age and and uh, God's intervention and the punishment of the, the nations and the... The ro- turning everything right side up, finally at last, doesn't happen. Okay, doesn't happen.
1: Yeah.
0: And 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 so as we move into the the intertestamental period, which which I'm dealing with right now, writing second volume, um, there's this. Sense in which people are trying to write the end of the story themselves, okay, in one way or another, it's got to have a better ending than this. Mm. Even though we're back from exile, we're in the land, we're suffering under the, you know, the, the Greeks and the Romans and the uh, and, and the Persians before that, and 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 uh, where are the promises of God? Yeah, you know, so so that creates its own dynamic and all kinds of spin-offs as to how, how do we interpret this mm. what's happening when's it going to happen you know and uh, that's the context in which Jesus shows up yeah yeah exactly you know it's mm. it, it's amazing uh, you know, uh, St. Paul said something about the uh, when the time was ripe uh, um I think it was St. Paul, uh, the, uh, the, God sent his son into the world. Okay. And, and wow. You know, when you, when you see the big picture, it, it is, it, it's mind boggling. It's just mind boggling. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can't just slop it off and say, oh, well, those, those early Christians all made it up or they, they just, uh, you know, the connections are so profound and deep and continuous that you have to sit back and say, something else is at work here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, going back to the the conquest, I mean, that's one thing that I had never really thought about. If you take the alternative conclusion to its ultimate end is that those people would have dissolved themselves into the nation so coming into the land they had to be established as a nation themselves in order to be a blessing to the other nations um we fast forward to solomon and i feel like for the first time that's when we really start to get a glimpse of this blessings to all nations Mm actually coming to pass uh, when we get there um, uh, yes yeah, so can you talk where, where do we see that uh, with Solomon
0: uh, well first of all David I think if you combine I like to combine David slash Solomon okay yeah. it's kind of a high point yeah of of, uh, of the experience of Israel yeah okay um, uh, David is clearly under, well, they're both clearly under God's, uh, uh, hand in what they, what they are doing. David is the conqueror and, and Solomon the consolidator, if you will. It's at that point that, uh, Israel reached its, uh, just another thing. I'm just going to give you another aside here, but the way in which the promise of the land works, uh, when it's first given to Abraham, it seems confined to what we might call the the where, where fundamentally where where they ended up in New Testament times, okay in the <laughs> between the Jordan and and the sea mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that little corner of of the Mediterranean. Uh, but there's other instances where, it turns out if you're paying attention that the whole earth is given to Abraham and his descendants exactly. okay yeah yeah and that the that's right the um this is where we get to that universal aspect of things so david his his empire if you will he he defeated the the enemies basically i mean clearly when you read Carefully, there were still elements of his enemies around and causing trouble, and erupt later on. Uh, the Philistines are still around. You know, they're not they're not completely subdued, but they are more or less subdued. and And he has this little empire or kingdom, but it, but it too is a token of something larger. Uh, you don't, you don't necessarily see that, but it, it is given, uh, in a number of instances that the, uh, the promises, uh, are, are, the whole earth. I mean, you get these promises from the Euphrates to the Mediterranean as well. Whoa, that's bigger. And in fact, that's almost what they conceived of as the whole earth. And, uh, but anyway, uh, as far as the East is from the West, there's all kinds of these sorts of things, uh. But when we, so when we get to David and Solomon, we have the the highest. We reach the highest pinnacle of of Israelite success. Okay, and they've got the land, at least as narrowly promised to to Abraham. Um, and we've got the uh, consolidation and the wealth and the reputation of Solomon. And by the way, what happens with Solomon? Uh, uh, the nations start to come to him. Right. And you read a number of these instances. Queen of Sheba is the, the, the obvious, uh, most, uh, most obvious example. But he got a reputation. People started to pay attention.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So the question then became, what do, what does it mean Or how is Israel to draw in the nations? Okay. How are they to do that? Solomon provides one of the answers. That is, the nations see God blessing the Jews.
1: Right.
0: And say, aha, we want what they got.
1: Yeah.
0: You ever heard this as a Christian testimony or a Christian idea? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, people are going to come to Christ when they see us living as we should. They will say, "They'll take notice. Mm-hmm. They're different. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was with Israel. Israel becomes <laughs> a, uh, a drawing influence. People say, look what their God has done for them. Let's follow that God. Yeah, Let's turn our backs on these other so-called gods and follow him. He's obviously, excuse me, he's obviously um, doing something great here. Excuse me, I haven't talked so much in a long time. Okay. (laughs) So um, um, what was the focus of your original question about David and Solomon? Um well, I think you answered it
1: yeah uh I think you answered it quite well um i'd I'd like to maybe get to a couple more questions um and then and then maybe we'll we'll wrap but uh my next question was gonna be uh about you know of course with David, we see a covenant made with him, and then previously before that we see a covenant made uh at Sinai. Um, between Moses um, and Israel, and so you know, the question I think for the reader then is: as we see these these different covenants made, um, well, I guess how is that related to the previous covenant made with Abraham?
0: Well, buy my book and turn the page three hundred and fourteen. Okay, <laughs> um, but seriously. Um, we need to distinguish between covenants with a capital C and covenants with a lowercase C, if you will, Um, or better, covenants that are conditional and covenants that are unconditional. Mm. Okay? It is my contention that the covenant with Abraham is the overall functioning covenant. It's unconditional. God makes no ifs. There's no ifs, ands, or where's about it. Mm -hmm. Okay? God is going to do this. He's going to give him the land. He's going to give him many descendants. He's going to give a blessing to all nations through him, his people. That's a little bit vague as to exactly how that's going to work out.
1: Right.
0: Naturally. So the other covenants work as... Uh, function within that larger covenant, and that's how I see the covenant with um, uh, the Mosaic covenant or the Sinai covenant. It's very much conditional. okay? So it says, if yeah. you do this, yeah. then this will happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, it's interesting, and I never saw this before, but when I started looking at the, this will happen part, it was a covenant with Abraham.
1: Right, yeah, exactly. Okay?
0: You're going to have many descendants, you're going to occupy the land, and you'll be a blessing to the nations. Right there. Now, the Jews, from what I can see so far anyway, completely lost sight of that last part in their history. Their focus, their goal, their meaning in life before God was to be a blessing to the nations. Now, we can understand why they felt the way they felt. They were persecuted, harassed, destroyed, uh, uh, holocausted, if that's a verb. Uh, they, you know, down through the ages. Why wouldn't they be <laughs> turned their backs on the nations? But that was their purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, uh, but that was a conditional covenant. In other words, you will get the promises. It's almost as if God comes along and says, okay, how are these people going to inherit the promises to Abraham? How are they going to get there? Yeah. Okay. Well, they're going to get there by doing stuff properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's try that. Now, I'm being facetious here. Okay, I'm being, I hope I'm not being irreligious. No, you're good. But it's almost as if he said, let's try this. Okay, we tried Noah, we tried destroying everybody, all those evil people, all those giants, all those wickedness in the land. We'll just save Noah and his family. Start over again. Didn't work. So here's another try. Okay, we're gonna give them a set of rules to follow. Okay, and by following those rules, they will achieve the three blessings I gave to Abraham. Uh, not so much, yeah. okay? Uh, the whole history of Israel is failing to do that. Now, in periods of time, especially under Solomon and David, i get back to Solomon in a second here, uh, they did. David was a man after God's own heart. He He, he incorporated the nations, but not necessarily the way they were intended to be incorporated. He conquered them. OK. Yeah. Um, but I did want to get back to Solomon for a moment because his downfall, OK, was the same downfall in the conquest, same downfall as when they came back from exile. Yeah, they He got himself involved with foreigners, with other nations, in a way that led him to abandon his God, mm-hmm. to compromise his God. Okay? That's the issue. Not how you get there, but what causes it is the uh, I, uh, uh, But the end result is to abandon or compromise his faith in God, to turn his heart away from God. Yeah. Uh, so um coming back we have the um, so, so we have these conditional promises if you do this I will bless you in this way and that when I looked at that this way it was the Abraham way I didn't realize that yeah you look at the promises at the end of Deuteronomy to what Moses tells the people mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's a wonderful picture of what exactly Abraham was talking about absolutely okay. yeah so they fail with that um, but it's a conditional one. the unconditional the conditional one. And I I uh, I, I hope you found that did you did you find the diagrams helpful? Yeah uh, right. mm-hmm. uh, because I, I think they express this, okay, that working within the Abraham covenant is the covenant with Moses. It's a conditional covenant. yeah. And working within that is the covenant with, with David. It's another unconditional covenant, okay? God tells David that He is going to send a descendant and who will rule forever, okay? Because making you know, and and we see what happened with Solomon is one of those, for instances,
1: yeah. yeah. Where
0: even though um, they did Solomon did. Uh, was unfaithful, that God did not abandon that promise. And and, and we're trying to figure out what what was the promise then? If if it anyway, the, the promise remains. And and so we have these two unconditional covenants. Uh, well, I, I think the, the the first, if you want to call, I didn't, I don't call it a covenant in the book, the one with Adam. Okay, uh, I, I think um, a lot of theologians like to talk about the Adamic covenant. Mm-hmm. The Scripture doesn't use that word, so I don't. Okay, uh, it, it does not describe it as a covenant. Although there is a Scripture later on that implies that. So we have this. Uh, failure of Solomon, but nevertheless, it continues. Just like we have the failure of Jacob, you know, uh, covenant continues. And it is around those two unconditional covenants that the story revolves. It's it, the other ones are I hesitate to say there's steps in the wrong direction because that's not putting it right but they are they are ultimately dead ends that's for sure yeah and so we have the whole question of when we come to the New Testament uh well what about those conditional promises of the law okay and that's a whole other discussion very complicated discussion but mm-hmm. uh, um, the question of, of is superseded by the question of well what's which which covenant here is taking precedent okay mm-hmm. and it's always the unconditional ones. Mm-hmm. cuz the story of the bible is the failure of human beings to keep covenant
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: you know a sad story but anyway that's 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 how i see david and david and solomon they're they're kind of the apex after that uh, you know, um, you have the house of Jeroboam and the house of David,
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and and horrible things that happen after that, and finally it all ends in exile. Yeah, and, yeah,
1: it's really interesting you said that because even when the Davidic covenant is made, you know, we get sense that there's uh. You know something going on with, with the immediate descendant with solomon and then you know when, when solomon asks for wisdom you know god basically tells him you know i, I, I got you uh you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're you're gonna die uh you know having lived a good life uh despite you know uh despite what happens and sure enough uh it's not until we get to ray bomb, um where we see kind of things begin just start to fall apart there but uh um, i want to um yeah you know, i love how you explain that and, and that leads me right to uh what might be my last question, um, we see things moving forward, and now, you know, the serpent crusher that we mentioned earlier now has, like, a, a focus here, and we see that there's going to be a, a coming king through the line of David that mm-hmm. um, is seemingly going to be the one to make this thing happen, and so we get to uh, to Jesus, and of course, you know, my, my last question is going to be, uh, you know, where we see these promises uh, in Christ. But before that, I guess as like a subset of that question, I, I do want to ask about the the barren woman motif because we see this. This is something I totally missed. Um, but okay. we see this, you know, even Eve said to you know, when, when she gave birth to Cain, said she said she'd been uh, given a son um, through the Lord. And we see it happening with, uh, with Sarah. Uh, we get to see it. We see it happen uh, again with uh hannah. becca you know, we get to see it happen yeah. uh again um uh, yeah with hannah with, with with samuel uh we we even see with, with rachel um uh samson's mother we see all these women yeah. that are barren uh there's this motif yes. of barren women and then these sons it's almost like there's a promise with this son that now this there's an expectation that this son was given directly from the Lord and there's that whole is this the serpent crusher kind of thing. So we see that with Christ as well. So I just wanted you to comment on that and then talk again. Uh, where do we see these promises uh, uh, in Christ? Uh, I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't think anybody has altogether, but but yeah, that just get back to the to the barren women. You flip that around. And that's a story of grace, unconditional grace. Okay, mm. uh, it's it's like where God intervenes in the story. That's what happens. Okay, and the these miraculous bursts are are signs of that. Okay, when we see that happening, we should be on the edge of our chairs. Okay, and say haha he's going to do something here. Okay. And and so if you if you just read all of that and then skipped into the first chapter of Matthew. Wow. Virgin is giving birth? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? I mean, we had all those those elderly women and those barren women in the Old Testament who who had miraculous births, but this is a miraculous birth with a capital M. Okay, yeah. yeah. something really big is going to happen now. Okay, so the reader of of that would be uh, just reading it through those stories, which which we mm-hmm. don't. Okay, it's not that anybody's going to be really brilliant and pick that up unless some brilliant person like me points it out to them. <laughs> that that. that well, read the story in the light of, of of Hannah and and Rachel and Sarah and you know uh, I'm not the only, obviously not the only one who's done that, but but the the overwhelming sense of God's grace being poured out in an extraordinary way, in a Niagara Falls kind of way here, whereas before mm-hmm. we had dribs and drabs, now we got the real thing. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's the uh, what's going on here, and I think, as I said earlier, that the way Jesus in, in the New Testament brings all the all these anticipations of the serpent crusher in his various guises. Okay, like I, I refer to at one point in the book, I refer to. This is kind of like, uh, uh, the international man of mystery, you know, the, 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 the spy, like who can change, change himself into various guises hmm. to, to, uh, uh it, it's like this person and it's always singular. There, there's only a, a, a handful of instances where a prophet is talking about a plurality of redeemers, okay? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're very vague, and, and I think can be just shoved aside almost, but not completely forgotten. There's something going on there. But it's always a singular person is coming. But he might be coming in different guises, okay? Different personas, accomplishing mm-hmm. different things. but It's always singular. Serpent crusher, serpent crusher, serpent crusher. Not crushers, but crusher. And And so when we get to Jesus, I believe that, as I said earlier, all these different personas, he he seems to put them on like like tailored garments. They just fit, okay? Uh, Whether it's king, uh, savior, uh, redeemer, uh, you can go through a whole host of these how could one man possibly step into so many shoes I'm changing my metaphor again but the the it's just staggering it's just staggering that that somehow it's like he's brought all these lines to himself just pull them out of the sky all the hints all the Personas, all the ideas, somehow coalesce around and on him. in In a way that's it's staggering. It's just mind blowing. Uh, to me, that's a, that's got to be one of the main arguments for the the trustworthiness of of, of the scriptures. Okay. Yeah. they maintain all that variety you know, all through the Old Testament They and they don't even it's not even discussed it drives me crazy I wanted yeah. somebody to come along one prop and say, okay I'm going to show you how all this fits together no, mm-hmm. they don't they just leave it lying around on the ground and, it, and only Jesus comes along and picks it all up and puts it into one package so um um But I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if, if you can, or if I can, at this point, articulate it beyond that. Okay. Uh, um, you have, you have to follow each one of those personas, like King and Davidic King at that. Okay. Um, and what that, there's multiple kinds of, um, Dimensions just to that one concept of of a Davidic king. Okay, there's a physical descent, for example. Okay, Uh, that that's a necessary part of that. Okay, and uh, um, so so there's there's all kinds of all kinds of these 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 pieces that Jesus incorporates within a whole, and 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 to me, that's remarkable, and I have not yet got to writing about that, and, mm-hmm. and I don't think I have the, I, I think that's something the whole body of Christ has to work on uh, yeah. and come, come to grips with, because it's such a, a marvelous, mysterious, and, and complicated, uh, Thing that no one person can 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 um, can demonstrate that with 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 any sort of fullness or completion or finality.
1: Sure. Yeah, but I think um, you know if you you read the Old Testament in this way, and then just looking at at, at Christ, and then looking at those promises, you know, we can see. Through the Great Commission that we're we're going out to to all nations, you know he starts he starts there in Judea, um, pretty much exclusively. But we see all kind of hints throughout his ministry where we see there's there's a little bit of that drip to to, to the nations to the Gentiles, um, but then you know the, there's just this. Uh, aggressive explosion, um, you know, w- with, with Paul, we're going out to all the nations, you know, he speaks of being grafted in, I think I might've said drafted earlier, but we're, we're, we're grafted in, um, you know, in, in Christ, we're really talks about, uh, you know, spiritual circumcision. And then of course we see, um, you know, our, our role as being, uh, a, a priestly nation that we are now, um, you know, going to, to the ends of the earth. Um, so we,
0: you know, I, I, I think. the command of Jesus, by the way. Yeah, uh, and, and there are a number, clear, a number of clear examples uh, like uh, um, in, in his ministry where he reaches out to the Canaanite woman mm-hmm. or to the Roman centurion mm-hmm. and says, not in Israel have I found so great a faith. Mm-hmm. <gasps> now, if you're a Jew reading that, okay, I mean, what do you do with that? But, on the other hand, he says, I've come to the people of the house of Israel only. Okay. So, there's some sense in which his personal earthly ministry is limited to Israel, the nation. Whereas, when he gets to talk about the church, its ministry is to the nations and Israel. To Israel and the nations. Okay. That's the last thing he tells them in the the great, in Matthew's gospel is to go out and make disciples of all nations. Uh, Again, a truly astounding thing if you don't have Abraham in your head. Yeah. Okay. Where did that come from? It came from Abe. Okay. He's, he's the one. And, uh, and that's been God's purpose all along. Yeah. And he ain't done yet.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's cool um, to even see Paul make those allusions to Abraham as well, speaking of uh, his faith and that being accounted as righteousness. But anyway, uh, I, I think that, that kind of wraps it for the, for the questions I have. I'll put a link uh, in the description for anyone that's listening that wants to pick up the book and read it for themselves. Um, like I said earlier, I think it's it, it's a great way um, again, just to kind of make sense uh, of the scripture and one as one cohesive story. Um, I think, so I think then- as well.
0: I I would add, in terms of the book itself, that part of its intent was for people who already know the scripture to to a degree.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But and and this this applied to me when I was in seminary for sure. Mm-hmm. I could have used my book then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and and I think it would be a great thing for uh, incoming seminary students to have to read mm-hmm. or something like it. I mean, I'm not, yeah. you know, uh, I am promoting my book, of course. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to suggest <laughs> otherwise, but but it, it just puts everything in, in, in into a story rather than the hit and miss thing we come to seminary with, you know, which is usually a Sunday school. Uh, I read the Bible through kind of thing, but that, that needs supplement.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. Um, well, awesome. Uh, I guess we'll close by, uh, I'll just invite you to kind of tell anyone where they can get the book or get in touch with you. Any, any last words? And, uh, if you would close this out in prayer. Um,
0: yeah, well, it's on Amazon, uh, in, uh, uh, but if you can get an electronic version, it's a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, if you get if you're in Canada anywhere near me, I have uh, hard copies available uh for cheaper than you can get them on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And um uh you can put that to my email in your list or or whatever okay. in your link. Um, um yeah, no, uh, that's that's good. I'm, I'm glad to talk to you. Um, I, I, I my hope is that that people will that the book will accomplish something of its purpose in in uh, in encouraging the Bible to be read a, as a story because I think that's what God intended it to be, and um, and we're just kind of tracing out, you know. <laughs> The themes, the mm-hmm. the linkages, and, and I, I think I have stumbled across. I, I haven't seen anybody do what I've done elsewhere. Now they may have, uh, but if they have, I I'm bringing this in from all kinds of sources in my own reading and and uh, experience. So um, I just hope it's helpful for people, and I'm glad it was helpful for you. And yeah, if it's absolutely. helpful for you, that. Encourages me that it will be helpful for others. Yeah, amen. All right, will we close this up in prayer. Sure. Heavenly Father, your promises are without equal, and you promise to be with us to the end of the age through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We claim that promise in the midst of a world that in many ways is going crazy. Lord, keep your people steadfast. Enable them to understand your word. And um, help us as we seek you to find you. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.
1: There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with somebody you know. And with that being said, we'll catch you on the next one.